And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, joined as always by Randall Carlisle. I've only had about three or four <coughs> beers today. Uh, well, so um, I, you know, I it's be, it's before noon. What? Is it? Yes. Well, uh, here. What's but, the, yeah, I know, but it's late at <coughs> night in Paris. On the other right. hand, I have actually had a drink before during my wild days, before noon, but thinking that I was born on the East Coast. So actually, on my body go. clock, it was yeah. afternoon. Makes we don't sense. Ra- we don't rationalize at all as no, alcoholics. No, no, I understand <laughs> that. We're just joking, okay? Yeah, we are. I, I did not have three or four beers. I had eight or nine today. So, <laughs> <laughs> If you recognize him, longtime news anchor, first at Channel 2 and then at Channel 4. Right. And uh, you won't recognize me. I'm a retired sportscaster from Vegas. But uh, this is a little way for us to give back a little bit in the community. And we're going to introduce Jesse in just a second. But this show is about recovery, and we've met, through 59 shows, some amazing people. And it's a way to talk about issues in recovery in a very honest and and fact-based way. And Randall now works with Odyssey House, hence the name of the show, though they're not a sponsor. It's just a name we came up with at the beginning. But You said it. You said, how about Odyssey House Journals? And I said... That's good. And then I kept forgetting it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Odyssey House Journeys, I used to call yeah. it. But the the point is, is that the recovery community in Utah is amazing. And though it's a state where you wouldn't think alcohol and drug abuse is a big part of what goes on, it is. But the government and people behind it are just amazing. And we have lots and lots of people who will help you out. And with that in mind, we're going to give out the number for Odyssey House right now. And it's a great place to call and get information. Yeah, and you don't, ha- you don't have to say I'm coming in or anything like that. But if you have any questions, 801-322-3222. So. And, again, the, the people in Utah, there's so many people. And, Jesse, we're going to get a chance to talk to her about that. There are a lot of people to help. And Utah might be one of the most progressive states in the country in terms of helping people get out of the just the, that pit of despair when you're drinking or doing drugs. And, and I would venture to say, and I, I bet Jesse would back me up on this, is that there are very few people who don't either are not related to someone or have a friend or somebody in their church circle or whatever, that they know somebody who is dealing with addiction. I, I, it's just so widespread. Or somebody in recovery, although people may not admit it, like we are here, right? Yeah. With that in mind, I want to I, I, Jesse Hackala, uh, we Odyssey House does. A, we have a, every Tuesday evening. We have a family support group, uh, and it's comprised primarily of people who have loved ones who are either in treatment or out on the street or whatever. And it's it's to help the loved ones deal with their with their relatives' addiction. And we had Jessie on a couple of Tuesday nights ago, and she was so wonderful. I had to invite her, had to invite her to be on this podcast because she made a lot. She she helped so many of the of the moms and dads who were in this group, and she has an amazing story. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And and we should mention where you work now, uh, uh, because Usara is another good, great resource if you know somebody who is dealing with substance use. So tell a little about you, Sarah. Uh, Yeah, Sarah, it's uh, Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) How long did it take you to learn that? (laughs) Oh, well, I I learned it very early on because I knew that's where I wanted to be. Really? Yes. 
yes, working at USERA was just my ultimate goal when I came into recovery too. Um, but I, I love I love what we do. We're just completely peer ran. Everyone from our director to uh, to me to our other long term coaches, we're all in recovery from you know, various addictions, and uh, we just meet those either in active addiction or in the recovery, help them build goals and um, identify what resonates with them so that they stay. Because I, I think uh, a lot of times in recovery, we are um, given A, B, and C choices. Well, that doesn't work for everyone. So we do meet everyone where they're at and provide them kind of like a sample kit of different recovery methods and recovery pathways so they can they can find what really works for them and the cool thing is is i mean like at odyssey if you check into odyssey we have a lot of rules and regulations and we're working on recovery uh usara's goal i mean that would be the ultimate goal for everybody coming in but but you can come in high you can come in with whatever problem you can come in not wanting to go to treatment and you guys provide pure support for mm-hmm. anybody for free right Absolutely, yeah. We are a nonprofit, so we never charge for our services. So the different pathway meetings we have, uh, they, they range from you know twelve step to Dharma recovery, more of like a meditative Buddhist approach to things, uh, to um, yep, peer round peer round meetings, and then we have long term recovery coaches. They this is the best way I can describe it from personal experience. They just meet you at your point A, they meet you where you're at, and they help you identify what your point Z is. And we help provide the resources and the support to get you to where you want to be. And what I love about your whole approach is that it allows you to walk in there and no one's going to judge you. No one's going to be mad at you because you went out. And I know as someone who was in sobriety and then went back out drinking, it was so scary to walk back into a room. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. It's terrifying. And because you you feel like you've let people down. I'm a loser. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And your approach, your organization's approach is not to do that, but just to help people get a little bit better. Yes. And I'll bore you with a quick analogy. In NASCAR, sometimes the difference between winning and losing is only getting maybe a hundredth of a second to five hundredths of a second better each lap. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes just those little improvements can make a difference. And you have a a week, if you're in drug and alcohol abuse, to have a week of sobriety or two weeks gives you enough confidence to really build on that. Yes. Uh, The way I approach it is let's not focus on the things you're doing wrong, but let's focus on the things you're doing right. And so, uh, could you talk to some of my ex-girlfriends, please? Because sure. <laughs> yeah. I've always I, I approach that. I say, okay, I'm I'm horrible over here, but look at this nice part of me over yeah, here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, women don't take that holistic approach. <laughs> no, that's true. Okay, we're ta- we've talked about a little about the positive of what you're doing now. The thing I found so compelling was the struggles you've been through and how it started. Can you sort of walk us through that? Yes. Let's see where to begin. So I, I you know, I'll just be, begin where it did start. Um, I uh, back in 2010, I had just purchased purchased my first home. I had my beautiful son and and husband, and uh, I was getting ready for a family party that was a big honor in my family to do. And I forgot to clean the couches downstairs, so I hurried 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 and got a bucket of water and ran down the stairs and I missed a step and I fell down two flights of stairs. And uh, everything seemed fine at first, 
but within three days I was unable to stand longer than five minutes. So I went to the doctor and I was given a prescription for opiates. Um, and that, you know, I took the opiates just as prescribed for quite some time uh, and until I had to eventually increase the dosage. And I remember the day I was rushing to get to, to work. And uh, at the time, I was a full-time mom, full-time student. Uh, and I was rushing to get my son to daycare, and I took more than prescribed, um, either subconsciously or – but I did. And, and I think that's – well, I know that's when it all started spiraling out of control. Um, that, that eventually led me to a breakdown at my son's fifth birthday party. And I w- went to my first uh, treatment center after that. And while I was there, um, I, I was there for the wrong reasons, right? I went there for my husband and for my kids. I wasn't there for That would myself. sound like very good reasons to go. It sounds like it, yes. But, but... you have to go for yourself. Mm-hmm. I did the same yeah. thing first time through. Did it for my wife because she was complaining, not for me. So go oh, ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, before I left, I, I pretty much already had a plan of, of how I was going to relapse, and I did very quickly after. Uh, Good to have a plan. <laughs> yes, I did have a plan. They say relapse, relapse happens before it actually happens, yeah. and in my situation, my personal experience, that is true. Um, so after I, I left that treatment center, I, I did relapse, um, but I, I quickly ran out of the, the way I was using with the opiate pills, and I had met a friend at the treatment center and I asked him to help me out one day. And so he took me to this place called The Block downtown and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and at the time it was awful. Yes. We were talking about Rio Grande and there were thousands of people there including dealers and prostitutes and homeless people and it was just a wide open crime scene. Yes, yes. And there was almost this silent um, understanding between the police and and those on the street, if you stay within that block, you'll be okay. So he he left and, and came back and told you me. Were, did he leave you standing on the block? or where I, was, were you? I was in my car. He told me to lock my doors. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and at this time, I was, you know, I was very scared. I'm very sure. naive. As well you should have been. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and when he came back, he, he I will always remember what he said. He said, I have good news and bad news. I said, well, what, what is the, what's the bad news? And he said, well, I, I wasn't able to find opiate pills. I'm like, well, what, what is the good news then? I don't understand. And he said, well, I was able to find heroin. And I looked at him and said, I don't do heroin. And he said, an opiate is an opiate, right? And that's all it took. I told myself it'd be one time. And How did you take it? Uh, I smoked it at first, and things just progressed from there. So um, that put me on a whirlwind of, geez, a lot of crime sprees, um, signing fake checks in my mom's name to uh, taking out a personal loan from my husband at the time, getting kicked out, um, being homeless in my car for a couple of weeks. And uh, my sister was nice enough to pay for my deductible for a treatment center out in Utah County. Um, So I went out there and I did um, medicated assisted treatment which worked for me at that time but while I was out there I I met I met someone and I thought that you know I feel like uh, I was filling that void and he was 
what was filling that void and we took it really slow like we do and we moved in within two weeks of knowing each other <laughs> that's you know you gave it 14 yeah. days yeah. Yeah. Yes. right what the heck bare minimum <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and things were okay for a couple of weeks until we, we relapsed together. And that was a whole new level of misery and darkness I've ever experienced. Um, from smoking, I, I started um, doing IV use. And uh, he showed me how to do that. And within... Nice of him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, within six weeks from um, switching from smoking to IV use... I had um, domestic violence charge pressed against me, which um, I, I did hit my husband. Um, and I had a protective order placed against me, uh, and my children were umbrellaed on that, so I, I couldn't even talk to them anymore. I had lost uh, my housing, my car. I was homeless. Um, the first day I became homeless, I was raped, robbed, and beaten. So that was my first day being completely homeless on my own. What else can go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> did they ever? Did you find the guy who did this? Or no, no. When that had happened to me, I remember thinking and knowing what was happening to me, but I didn't care because of how worthless I was. Your self-image was so bad. Mm-hmm. I felt like I deserved what was happening to me. And. This is an amazing story, but Jesse, in looking at you, you look like the all-American girl. <laughs> the blonde That's, hair and blue eyes. Well, yeah. I mean, just, you know, it, it, and, and it, I was thinking the same thing as, as you were talking, because I think people's general idea of what a heroin addict looks like is mm-hmm. not you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're healthy, you're beautiful, you're, you're of course, you're probably look a heck of a lot better than you did when you were in in the throes of... Uh, you, you don't find a lot of supermodels who do heroin. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Oh, I can show you some pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. But I guess the point was I was going to make is that you are a wonderful spokesperson for addiction in that you look nothing like people's perceptions, as Randall right. was saying, right. and, and yeah. it can happen anywhere. And I always maintain in Utah we might have a higher um, problem with drug abuse because if a big portion of our, our population doesn't drink, then when they experience drugs for the first time or a high, mm-hmm. that probably is pretty unfamiliar and probably pretty nice it in is. the short term. Oh, oh yes. I the, the day I took double the dosage, I remember... When I was driving, I remember looking at the sky and seeing the vivid colors, and I remember feeling and thinking, oh, like it's a right. sigh, the sigh of relief, like I'm, I'm home. I, this is what I've been looking for. This is what has been missing in my life. So we left you raped, robbed, and beaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened after that? Uh, wow. After that, I was on the streets. Uh, things happen on the streets. You hurt people. People hurt you. Um, Lot of, I did a lot of things I'm not proud of, you know, um, and uh, that's all been worked through, thank God, for treatment. Um, you had a uh, ton of charges against you, right? I did. I had, I had 17 federal felonies, uh, multiple paraphernalia charges, uh, domestic violence, and theft on there. So Wow. And yeah. on the federal side, did, did you find any understanding there? Did the... U.S. Attorney's Office or the judges treat you well? Or? You know what? I actually got a really good legal defender. She 
she really met me where I was at and she tried to help, although I was in such denial still. Uh, but she, she asked me if I wanted to go to drug court and I declined the first time. Um, but, uh, when I, when I made it into jail the last time I, I spoke with, um, can we say names on here? Detective Potts. She, she talked me into it. (laughs) She's amazing. I love her and we still talk all the time. Um, so yeah, I got I got really lucky. I got really lucky to get because we've we've had court. some guests, Mindy Vincent, who's done Utah Harm Coalition, Utah Harm, Harm Reduction, Reduction Coalition. Coalition. Yes, um, had Judge D. Benson do an amazing favor for her, and her mm-hmm. life changed around. And yeah. we've yes. had Paul, uh, not Paul Warner, but uh, John Huber, the U.S. Attorney, on. Mm-hmm. And when an organization decides that you're trying to help some people. Would they, or in your case, would you have been doing the crime without the addiction? Of course not. Absolutely not. So that's when government can be understanding and help people. We're going to get back to your story. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're watching Odyssey House Journals. Welcome back to Odyssey House Journals. Randall Carlisle, Trip Mitchell. We're visiting with Jesse, who is telling her amazing story. Yeah, you, uh, you, when, when we... We're talking about the downside of your life. How did how did you? I mean, what what was your bottom? I, I remember you talking to our parents group about losing your kids, and that that's really what got to you. But I yes, uh, losing my kids it it spun my addiction way way more out of control because I I figured at that point I didn't have anything to live for, and I I identified with myself so much as a mother that losing them was awful for me and I I was filled with shame I was raised in a um, very religious LDS household and being the mother is uh, revered as as the most honorable position you know and uh, so when that happened um, and being on the streets I just I I didn't care anymore but there the turning point (laughs) there was one day I I had a bike I don't know how I had this bike but I had a bike and I was... You had the title in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to show. I didn't take it from anyone. And I uh, was coming back from the Catholic Community Services. They were giving out free clothes. I didn't have any clothes at the time. And I was passing the school and there was this little boy by by the fence just standing there alone looking, looking out of the yard. And I looked at him and I... I thought I'd seen my youngest son, Jacob, because he looks so much like him. And right as I had thought that, the teacher up close to the building yelled, Jacob, it's time to come in now. And it was like um, electricity throughout my entire body. Like my, I, It almost feels like my spirit was jumping out of me. And I, I uh, crashed the bike and I sat there for I don't know how long and just cried and cried and I had seen recovery in the past I had been in um, uh, 12-step groups and I I knew there was something better out there I couldn't do this anymore I couldn't be in this darkness and in this misery anymore and I uh, when I was done I went to this this uh, trap trailer I was staying in and I picked up the only belongings I had and found uh, there's this this dumpster um, out in uh, West Valley the track station there and the cement barrier surrounding it and I tucked myself behind the cement barrier in the trash can and I just withdrew I just couldn't do it anymore and uh, I had what some people call a spiritual awakening during that 
Uh, I it was three days of hallucinating, um, losing all control of my body. Very, very painful. I thought I was dying. I would see flashes of Jacob and John, my oldest John, youngest Jacob. And um, Jake would be asking me to come home, mommy, come home. Um, Yeah. So uh, I just fought through that. And on the second night, I, I prayed to, to something I didn't believe in at that time. I, I prayed to, to God, a higher power, um, and I asked, just kill me or save me. I don't care which at this point, but if you save me, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And uh, the third morning, it was, I don't know, 6 or 7 a.m. The sun was just barely peeking over the mountains, and I heard some, some people talking. And I, like, inched my way over so I could peek through. And there were two police officers hanging out there just drinking some coffee. And I, I called out to them for some help. I said something like, my name's Jesse Hakala. I'm going to jail. And uh, one of the police officers looked me up and he's like, oh, yeah, you're <laughs> definitely going today. <laughs> and he was actually kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they took me to jail and I was there a lot longer than I expected but it's just, it's what I needed. How long were you there? Uh, I was there almost four months. Yeah. And uh, I remember, oh, wow. I, I can talk about the experiences I had there, but I remember one day I was sitting in my in my cell and my, we call them cellies, my celly Ellie, she had to go to the hospital and I was feeling very alone and I heard the, the cell pop open and I heard Hackala multimedia room and I went to the multimedia room and Mark Augustine was sitting there <laughs> and I had to talk to him a year previous and he told me, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up in a worse situation. I didn't believe him. And so the first thing he said to me was, how is jail going? <laughs> I said, well, it's like, it's like girls camp every day. He's like, <laughs> well, how about you be at the Haven for Thanksgiving? And so yeah, two two days before Thanksgiving, I was released and sent to a treatment center that really helped me create that foundation I needed. And wow. we, we should say Mark Augustine works for the Legal Defenders Association. So mm-hmm. when you throw out a name and they're watching, it's like so. And now, what's your life like now with your with your kids? And oh are you gosh. married, divorced? What's going on? I am divorced. Uh, my my ex husband and I have been divorced for three and a half years. But I am so grateful for him because he those kids they, they went through a lot not having their mom for over a year. Um, I, I had to fight for them for them back, go back to court every six weeks to ask please. <laughs> um, and uh, him and I have a really good co-parenting relationship now. I couldn't have asked for a better, a better man to raise my two boys. Really grateful for him. What, what's your relationship like with your with your kids? They're, it's good. It was very when I did get them back when I had the protective order taken down. It did take I would say about a year, year and a half for my oldest to begin to trust me a little bit. Sure. It took a really long time and it took consistency and hard work and and a lot of pain. He was in a lot of pain. Uh, he's been in How old is he now, by the he's way? He's 10. Yeah. And he's oh, he's such an amazing kid. <laughs> um, but he, he he's been in counseling for co- upcoming 10 months now. 
And when he gets mad, instead of reacting the way he did, he will, you know, sit on the stairs and breathe in, breathe out, and take a glass of water. And he he teaches me how to be more calm now. <laughs> I and my youngest son, he's just this ball of joy and energy. He's the biggest heart I've ever met. So it's it's an honor. I get to have them every other weekend and every Friday night. Fantastic. And yeah. Randall was saying that you'd be an amazing guest, and you hit the nail on that one. When you talk to people, having been through it, and that's a big advantage of everyone who works at your organization, do, does that empathy, do you, does that make you a much better person to help people? Absolutely. I think that is the number one thing. As soon as I meet with someone, whether that's in an emergency department or detox, the second I tell them that I'm a person in recovery, the connection is there. It just, they, they know that I know. And we're able to start work from the ground up from there. So it's it's the most honorable work. You know that saying, you don't work a day in your life if you love what you do? That's the day and I live every single day. And I've, it, I can't believe this is my life, honestly. <laughs> I heard that uh, when I was in treatment. I heard people say that over and over and over again when they'd come in and share their story. And I think they were full of crap. Sure. I'm like, you're yeah. lying. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And I, I have worth today and I, I love myself and I love that I have the privilege of being a parent again and um, yeah, a, a friend and my, my parents trust me again. My sisters and I talk on the daily. I, um, wow, I, I'm actually trusted with, you know, personal things now and I get to take care of my own. I get to show up every single day. And, and live life. <laughs> you know, what's really cool in this story is those connections that are, again, and if you have a child or a, a sibling or someone who's gone off the deep end, you feel like you've lost them. Mm-hmm. You know, that trust, you, you do whatever you can to help them. The second, third, and fourth time it doesn't work, you feel like you lost them. Mm-hmm. So for everyone who loves you, having you back is probably just the most amazing thing. Well, and think about, think about the she's speaking to a parent's group. Uh, who have kids who are out there just like she was, and they see her now, and and gives and, them hope. And, and, and that was the theme after because you had to leave a few minutes early from from the meeting, the Zoom meeting that we had, mm-hmm. and every single one of them said the same thing: is that you gave them hope, mm-hmm. and and you know, and there is hope. I mean, I uh, I found this saying on is the trolls on on Netflix, and it talks about. Uh, even the word hopeless is not devoid of hope, and that's that's very true. Things may seem hopeless, but they aren't. They aren't, and it's possible. And other people in recovery, I mean, we pull each other out of the trenches. Sure. We help each other get through this, and we do hard things every single day. And not only hard things, but I've, I've seen people do amazing things in recovery. Well, I'm so sorry we've run out of time, but this has been an amazing half hour. Thanks so much for coming on. And if someone wants to find out more about USARA and how you can help people, what would be the best way of, and we can throw a number and uh, website up on the screen. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Yes, so we do have a Facebook page that we put updates on all the time. It's just USARA homepage. U-S-A-R-A. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. can say it, you can either say it USARA or uh, USARA. Mary yes. Jo said originally it was USARA, but most people call it USARA. Yes. And it so. stands for? 
the Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness. Fantastic. And you get your funding from the state? The state of Utah helps out a lot? Yes, the state of the, uh, state of Utah. We do uh, recovery days, which is a fundraiser every year, uh, and private donations. They, they, she, they write a lot of grants and get a lot of grants. Yes. And, and that keeps them going. So Well, it's a fantastic organization. And if you have any questions, Randall, why don't we give out the number for Odyssey House? 801-322-3222. And, Jesse, thanks so much for being on. You Thank are you. wonderful. Oh, our next show, will be, <laughs> next show will be number 60. Yes. And they said it wouldn't last past 57. (laughs) But but you (laughs) kept it going. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much. And, uh, again, if you're watching because you've got someone you know and love who's got some challenges, stories like Jesse's are out there, and there's no reason that your person can't recover and do amazing things. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.